I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today I am here with Shelly Haas, who is the CMO of Alta Beauty. Shelly, hi, and welcome to the show. Hi, Nadine. It's great to be here with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I have been excited to chat with you for a while now. You're doing a lot of great things at Alta Beauty and you've had such an exciting uh, career. So why don't we start with you sharing with everyone what your role is at Alta Beauty and why you decided to take that on. Yeah, it's fun to walk down memory lane and think about my past and and what led me here. I came to Ulta Beauty five and a half years ago, and it's been a wild ride. I always say that the last five and a half years have been the most fun and the most emotionally exhausting (laughs) chapter of my career. But I, I feel like it's like all roads have led me here in many ways. And I've been able to put the puzzle pieces of my career together in, in an amazing way. But there are a couple of reasons that I was really fascinated with this role and felt like I had to have it. I mean, that's really how I felt like I was like, this is the role that is made for me. And one is leadership. So our CEO, Mary Dillon, um, and I crossed paths way back when at PepsiCo, not for very long, but I was able to see when she left how beloved she was. And that was pretty special. That was, you know, I was like, wow, there's something really amazing about this woman that people just can't get enough of. Like they just want to work for her. And then two, Dave Kimball, who is my boss now and has been for the last five and a half years, I worked for him at PepsiCo for a few years with him and then for him. Uh, So when they both went, you know, first Mary to be CEO and then Dave to Ulta Beauty, I thought, wow, there's something really special going on there. And that would be amazing to be a part of that because I just felt like they were going to build something really great. And then the second thing was breaking from consumer packaged goods because I spent pretty much my whole career in consumer packaged goods, which I loved and was amazing. Um, But right before this, I was at a company called GFK where I really used my skills and applied them to many different industries. And I really wanted to break out of CPG and have a different type of experience. So that was really exciting. 
The third big thing for me was beauty. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge beauty lover and to, to think about working in that industry, I thought was pretty fascinating. And then the, the, the probably, you know, one of the biggest things was I felt like it was a dream come true from, from a marketer's standpoint and a brand builder standpoint and a team builder standpoint, because I'm a creator. I've kind of always seen myself that way throughout my career. And to me, this was like creating a brand and creating a team from scratch which is kind of unheard of. I mean, you know, you, I've worked on so many big brands, iconic brands like Quaker that have such an established perception in the marketplace and consumer in the marketplace. And, and this to me felt like wet sand. It felt like something I could go in and really, really shape. And that's what's been, you know, back to the most fun and the most emotionally exhausting to, to create all of that has been like a dream come true, really. That is really interesting. So when you say from scratch, I think of Ulta Beauty as having been around for a little bit, but what do you mean by that? You know, it's interesting. When I when I first went there, I had never even been in an Ulta Beauty store before I was interviewing for this position. And so as a beauty lover, I was like, that's really intriguing. Like, why have I never heard of this? Why have I never been compelled to go inside? And I had one that I walked past all the time here in Chicago, 10 minutes away from my house. So to me, um, there wasn't the awareness as as a brand. Like uh, when I walked in for the first time, I thought, this is amazing, but who is Ulta Beauty? I I, I saw it as kind of a, I always say like a a platter serving up other brands. So then when I got to know a lot of the leaders at Ulta Beauty and some of the team members as I was going through the process, it was clear that they didn't really think of about themselves as a brand, like who who was the brand? What did the brand stand for? How did the brand want to go to market? The brand point of view, and that Mary and Dave had that perception coming in, and that they really wanted to craft this into a brand. So while the the company and the organization and the the retailer Ulta Beauty have existed now for thirty years, um, I felt like it was very new and almost a blank slate in consumers' minds from a you know true brand building standpoint. So that really gave me the opportunity to come in and, and tap into what was special about it and what guests really loved about it, and then be able to build a true brand positioning and a brand story and a brand identity. And we launched pretty quickly, less than a year after I got there, we launched our brand brand 1.0, and it was to help people understand what the brand was. And that was our, our you know, chapter of all things beauty all in one place, helping people understand that it was price points from low to high, all the categories, all the services, but it was super simple and super functional at that time, always with the aspiration to get to a point where that was more cemented and we could move into a next chapter that would be much more emotional and purposeful and really create a deeper emotional connection with with our guests and non-guests and so we we actually started that work you know even a, a year or so into our chapter 1.0 and took about two years to establish what became now our chapter 2.0 with the possibilities are beautiful and really a purpose around the brand that not only serves as a true north for our marketing communications but serves as a true north for the the company and our mission and vision. And now I think we've built something pretty special. Absolutely. And you know, what's interesting is that we 
talk a lot on CMO Moves about purpose and it's fascinating to hear the steps that you took until uh, you were ready to incorporate that. But I think a big question that always comes up is like, how did you actually determine what the purpose was? What was yeah. your process for that? Mm-hmm. It was a long process. I mean, I, I learned so much throughout my career. I mean, back to days of working on Life Serial and working on Quaker and expanding the purpose of Quaker from heart health to to energy and fueling and those puzzle pieces helped me to, to understand how we could tap into that at Ulta Beauty. But we, we spent about a year and a half from consumer understanding, you know, starting with the consumer insight and associate understanding, uh, because I feel like if you're going to build an iconic brand, you have to build it from the inside out. So that, that connection with associates is as important as the connection with guests. So starting with an understanding there, and then we we literally mapped out about 12 different potential territories and worked them through internally and externally, got down to just a couple that we, you know, were able to tighten and strengthen and, and tested in, you know, a bunch of different ways. And that's how we really nailed down this idea that beauty, while some people think is superficial, we actually think, and most beauty lovers think it's powerful, that there are powers in beauty or beautying that can actually help you bring out the possibilities that lie within you. And, and when we got down to that, it was amazing to see how expressing that tapped into kind of the, the DNA that we were currently, but also the aspiration of how we could be even better. And we launched the campaign around that about a year and a half ago and taking that to market was pretty extraordinary because I, you know, I think it really did tap into that emotion. Um, it also tapped into our DNA of being beauty for all. And that was such an important you know, piece of who we are and who we wanted to be and, and really created that emotional connection even deeper with, with guests and with associates. So, you know, looking back, I think it always looks to people like it probably was super, super simple, but it's very rigorous strategic work actually behind the scenes um, to get to something that's super inspiring and super meaningful and then being able to, you know, craft work to bring it to life. Yeah. Wow. That's really fascinating. You know, there, you said so many things in there that I want to dig into a little bit, but I think that's really important that, you know, a purpose, if it's created or discovered and it's authentic, comes across as like, it, that was a no brainer, right? Right. Right. <laughs> it, it comes across as like, of course that would be your purpose. Exactly. But it's really, really hard to get to it. So I'm glad you shared that journey that you went through. Um, and you, you mentioned Inside Out. I'm a huge advocate of Inside Out and you know, frequently quote a culture expert who says, if you can't sell it inside, you can't sell it outside. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, you know, I, I remember talking with Antonio Lucio way back when we first launched CMO Moves. He was like episode number three. He was at HP and he talked about the, the journey he went on to really understand from his employees how they felt. Are there any learnings that you could share from just the exercise of engaging your teams internally? Mm-hmm. I think that part of the process was so important because, because people really internally really hadn't thought about the brand as a brand. The process of getting to the heart of who we were, our DNA, and what we wanted to build 
was almost like co-creation. And there was such appreciation for understanding how our associates felt. We, we did focus groups multiple times during the process with people in the corporate office, people in the distribution centers, people in the stores at all levels. And people saw that and it wasn't that they just saw it as like checking the box. They saw it as truly understanding the insight from all perspectives. And I think then when we rolled it out, that was really key to our 45,000 associates feeling the authenticity of it, feeling like that was what we express in the stores every day, feeling like that was who we are and could be. So I think there was a lot of um, learning in how to thoughtfully architect and thoughtfully roll out something massive like that. And, and that has been key to why this isn't just a marketing communications true north, why it is truly a corporate true north. I mean, we were just on a meeting this morning that was about architecting a, a particular work stream for the future. And the team started with our brand purpose. And I think it goes back to the fact that we architected it together. I love that. So powerful too. And it, it's interesting um, because when you, when you have that level of orchestration internally, I'm curious, you know, how much do you work with your C-suite counterparts when it comes to whether it was enrolling them in discovering and, and articulating the true North? How do you work with your C-suite team as you think about the corporate North Star? Yeah. Working with my counterparts and the executive team was really important during this process. One, because they had so much, you know, knowledge, insight, and perspective. And two, back to the co-creation. And what, what we did was architect a very purposeful <laughs> process to, to talk about it and work through it together. We actually, through the process of purpose building, we had four or five different work sessions with our C-suite to go through, you know, 12 different angles and let's play them out and let's think about pros and cons from a guest standpoint, from an associate standpoint, from a today standpoint, from a future standpoint. That, that work together was critical to get us to the best place and, and also for us all to feel like it's, it's ours, not not just mine or my teams. Absolutely. And if I come back again to what you said is your DNA beauty for all, and I think about what's been happening in the last few months and how important it is to have really clear communication with employees right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, having that as part of your DNA is so critical for so many reasons and even more amplified now. Let's think about COVID and then let's think about social unrest. How have you been able to, to manage through that? I would say that understanding the DNA of our purpose has helped us to, to pivot and shape during 2020, which has been just a year that none of us would have ever expected. And it started with heading into the pandemic thinking about how we were going to pivot our marketing mix, thinking about how we were going to pivot our messaging. And there, although we had planned to launch a new campaign this September, we actually pulled that way forward and created 
new platform in this possibilities, our beautiful space called See Beautiful Today. And it was with the idea that even in dark times and confusing and complex times, there's beauty all around us and that together we can look for it. And that ability to rally the teams because we had had such great teams in place, both internally and with agency partners, to be able to pull that off in three weeks was was pretty wild. Now we always joke with the agency teams, we're like, never again will we have these long timelines. <laughs> now we know it can be done. <laughs> but you know, that was that was a pretty incredible feat. And we just were so focused on two things during that time period. One, being the light, being the brand that is the light in the dark. And two, hyper relevance because we knew it was going to change monthly, if not weekly. And we needed to, to get ourselves to a place where we were crafting different work to put out different messaging along the way. And that's what we've done. So you know, now we actually have work running that is around the idea that from our cocoons, we see butterflies as we kind of, you know, reemerge from our houses and get back to like, a, you know, weird and different life, but a little bit more life. And then gets us ready for our new campaign, which is going to launch in September. So that's kind of one part of the story. You know, then with the death of George Floyd, it is an emotional time for us because DNA is so at the heart. We just, we all really took it to heart. And you know, we've been so proud of the diversity and inclusion story at Ulta Beauty. But it was also, it is a great time of reflection and learning, but also of accelerating action for us. And, you know, we've just, we've been doing more internally to to understand. We just finished a three-part series called Race Matters, where we were really digging in to understanding allyship and understanding different perspectives. It's just been really, really powerful. We've really amped up our partnership with Equal Justice Initiative, which is really important to us. We also started a matching program called Double Up for Justice, where our associates could donate to several different organizations, including Equal Justice Initiative, and we were matching that. And we have so much more work, you know, that we just realized we need to accelerate even more from recruiting, retention, uh, unconscious bias. There's so much more to do, and we're just super committed to accelerating that and continuing to be a leader. It's really impressive uh, that you went through the work that you did a few years ago because, you know, so many challenges that marketers are facing today, I feel like you had a head start. So hats off to you for, for being visionary in that way as well. And and the reason I say that is we just hosted two CMO symposiums. We had over 50 CMOs weigh in. And there were six really important themes that came out of there that are critical for today. And I think you just tackled all six of them, <laughs> literally. So there's the elevated role of marketing. There's the blurring of brand purpose and cause marketing and the role in society, how to authentically connect with consumers during this time. Uh, and then the list goes on. But I wanted to come back to that the one thing that you said, because it's really important, I think everybody's sort of struggling with it, is this hyper-relevance mm-hmm. and the different channels that allow you to achieve that. We saw, we did a survey to see you know, how funding and resources had flipped. And obviously when we went into the COVID period, a lot of folks struggled that their ad budgets were cut in half, if not completely taken mm-hmm. off the table. And 
what they had to turn to was social media. And I think a lot of marketers have learned now that they knew social media was an important channel, but it has accelerated in importance because there is a demand from the consumers to have more authentic conversations and feel more personal, hyper relevant, like you said. Are you seeing that as well? Is social changing in its role with you? Yeah, absolutely. When I think about the last five and a half years, we've done so much work to transform the marketing mix. We've increased our return on ad spend by 60%. And that has been because we've been on a journey to really build our community in social and digital and think very smartly about our more traditional media, like our you know, magazine that we send out to our guests and inserts in newspapers and things like that, that were a pretty traditional retail levers. And so I'm really proud of the work that we've done to establish those platforms heading into this. So similarly to the work that we did on purpose, the work that we did on team building, we've done a lot of work to build out our social media strategy, our social media team, and our ability to think about it as content and be really hyper relevant. So you're right. When we headed into this time, we really had to lean on it. Digital and social became 100% of our media mix. We closed our stores for a few months. And when we did that, we had to rethink radio, TV, definitely our print vehicles, and we leaned much more heavily. So accelerating that idea of content and hyper-relevance became core. We, we were basically, in our minds, a content company um, as we became you know, a 100% e-com company. That's how we looked at it. We were a content company. And, and that's why we were able to really quickly do things like launch a series called At Home with Ulta Beauty. And it was all, you know, it pivoted into how do you do your roots at home? How do you do your own nails? Things like that that weren't as relevant before that. Um, but I think we were pretty well set up to be able to accelerate that even faster, which I think sets us up beautifully for not just the new normal, the new better as we move forward. Hopefully new better for sure. And Peter Georgie was just on from Celebrity Cruises and he said better than normal, right? Um, yeah, love so that. <laughs> um, so you clearly have been a, a trendsetter ahead of the game. Let's back up a little bit and talk about your career. You mentioned Pepsi and you mentioned being able to take some learnings from there, but, but tell us a little bit about your journey and why you made some of the moves that you made. I look at my journey as chapters and I learned different things from different chapters that I could put together to be successful, you know, later in my career and, and here at Ulta Beauty. I mean, first I started at P&G and the biggest things that I learned there were consumer insight, how to dig into the consumer understanding. I actually had a, an insights director who really took me under his wing and taught me a lot. He, re he really was a, an educator which was key to how I think today. And then the other th big learning for me was the discipline of thought 
and being able to simplify things or what I always say, writing forces discipline of thought. And that has served me really well as I've grown my career and is something that I try to pass on to my teams and teach my teams. And yeah, then I took a little zigzag. So, you know, I always like to tell people a little bit about my zigzags too, because some people have straight lines, but most people don't have straight lines. And I left PNG because I had my first son and decided I wanted to be closer to family and, and went to work for a really small company, which I thought was really fascinating at the time, but it wasn't in brand management. It was kind of off the beaten path, this role that I took. And I was really excited about it, but about a year in, I really realized how much I missed brand management and brand building and consumer insight. It was more of a B2B role. And that was a really hard time in my life. I really, I felt like I kind of screwed up my whole career. Like I made a choice that I couldn't recover from. And I did, I was actually, you know, one of the big things I learned through that was the people that you make an impression on earlier in your career are the the kind of lifeblood to your later opportunities. And one of the kind of early people that believed in me brought me into Kellogg's at the time. And, and so that's when I moved to Chicago. And at that time I thought, well, one thing is there's very few things in life that can't be undone. And I always say, um, except having kids, that one cannot. <laughs> but other than that, you can kind of undo other decisions. So it kind of, it was a good learning lesson for me because at other times where I've been uncertain or unclear, I don't get as worried or nervous. And I think that that's really important. And, and the second thing, you know, that I learned when I got to Kellogg's was I really was doing what I loved in brand management. It was really my path. And so that was amazing. And, you know, then after that, I went to PepsiCo and that was such a great time of like ascending and taking different roles and greater leadership and being able to learn from awesome leaders and being able to really understand how to be a leader across the organization in a much um, more profound way. So that was a pretty uh, impactful time for my career. And then, you know, this is another zigzag. I got really, really burned out. And I kind of got to the point where I didn't know who I was as a leader, as a mother. And I, I left and took a couple months off just to just to think and kind of tap into what was wrong, what was off with me, like what was it? And a lot of it, you know, was creativity. I, I felt like I kind of was um, running dry on creativity and needed to kind of re reignite myself. And I learned that creativity is such a fuel for me, and without it, I I have I, I struggle. I struggle. And so I took a, I took a role then at GFK that I mentioned before. And that was awesome because I was able to then take all my skills that I learned to all of these, you know, different companies and apply them in different industries and do it really quickly. Cause I was a consultant. So you go in, you learn the business, you help craft, and then you're out and you're on to the next. And that was really important for me to be able to do that so that when I came here, which was, a, you know, an ultimate pivot point for me, I was, I had all the tools to be successful. So that's kind of like my, my chapters of my career in a nutshell, a little straight line, a little zigging and zagging. 
<laughs> no, that's fabulous. And, and thank you for sharing that. I, you know, I think many people struggle with making decisions that they may be nervous about because they don't understand the implications of it. And even if they do, you just, you're never a hundred percent sure sometimes. Right. So that's really a great way to look at that. So thank you. Okay. Well, we are shoot coming up here at the end of our time. I have a couple more questions for you just based on all that zigging and zagging and, and really learning as you went. And I, I do really love the fact that you were able to isolate that creativity was missing for you. Mm. Like what is some advice you would give someone who may be zigging and zagging right now? Mm-hmm. I think know that the zigging and zagging is okay. It's actually today you know, almost a pro, I think, as people look at a resume, which wasn't the case 15 or 20 years ago. I mean, zigs and zags were like, I remember. Yeah, yeah, they were not looked on positively. And it's different now. And, and I think now people look at that as, you know, what did you learn from it? What do you know about yourself? And I would say those are the biggest times to really really get clear on what you love take you know take a step and get back in touch with that i mean that 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 time period for me where i was tapping back into my creativity gave me a really good understanding of the sweet spot that i live in and that's the intersection of creativity strategy and leadership and uh, and that gave me the ability to know kind of moving forward what were the right things for me and what weren't. And the, the other thing that I would say about that is use your gut because your gut, I believe, is, is really like physiological signals using all the data that you have in your, in your brain and putting it together for you. And some people don't look at it that way, but I've always known that that was the case. And then I read Blink by Malcolm Gladwell, which is an amazing book for anyone who hasn't read it. And that kind of cemented that thought for me. I was like, oh yes, this, that's, that's right. It's real. It's just, it's your body, like your brain microprocessing and gut is an important thing to cue into and really listen to. Hmm. I definitely will just check that out. Thank you. As you were talking through that, it reminded me of some conversations that we've been having in our mentee Slack workspace. So we have 250 mentees in round two. We have 110 from round one. And together, they they continue to work together to try to solve some interesting challenges that they're facing in their career and their lives. Uh, and uh, it's just a, such a wonderful collaborative group. But what keeps coming up is how do I understand what my own brand purpose is mm. and align to the right company? And that's such a big topic in, it sounds like you were able to really understand and define your purpose and find a fit. Is there a tip you would give somebody uh, who's thinking through that right now? I think if you go back and look at the, the chapters, even when you were little, um, you can start to piece those things together. And, you know, so if you're not further on in your career, you still have chapters, just like I talked about my chapters. I mean, when I was getting in touch with those things, I was thinking about the chapters of, you know, being a kid, like what fueled me when I was a kid. And I was like a super creative kid. 
I, you know, go into my room with like pipe cleaners and rolls of, you know, empty rolls of toilet paper and like come out with, you know, a sculpture and a story about it. And so thinking back on those chapters, you can start to just kind of make notes for the things that fuel you or the things that you're really good at. So here's, here's another thing I would say. I have certain people, you know, when I look back at my career that I always say saw the me in me before I did. And the big thing about that is not only were they, you know, saying you rah rah, I believe in you, but they were really specific with me about the things that set me apart. And, um, and that was really meaningful. I think about those things all the time because then you start to build, you know, your, what we called at PepsiCo, your towering strengths and the things that make you different than other people. And I think that is the biggest way to start building what your purpose is. That's kind of what led me to like, okay, I get it. I have an interesting intersection of creativity, leadership, and strategy that maybe other people don't have. Or, you know, another thing that I feel like is my purpose is teaching and inspiring and pushing people. Uh, I always say, my husband's a seventh grade teacher, and I always say that he's a teacher of kids and I'm a teacher of adults. So those kinds of things you just start to, to piece together as things that differentiate you. And I think the things that fuel you. And if you just take some time to start to think back on those things that you've either learned about yourself, times where you, you know, have felt lost because you've, you've been missing something, um, or things that people have told you are your, your strengths or your, your true differentiators, I think that's the best way to then get to what, like, what is your purpose and, and what's your path? I love that. I love these towering strengths. And, you know, I literally just had a team call this morning where we were bringing on a, a new hire and we went around and I asked everybody, what's your genius? Mm. Which love uh, a lovely lady love asked me. Yeah. <laughs> it shocked me when this lady asked me this question and she's really great at working with, with children uh, to get them to connect to their genius. Uh, so even just referencing that, what you just said is makes so much sense to me. But when she asked me what my genius was, I, I, I was flabbergasted. Nobody just came out and asked me that. And uh, it, I figured it out. You know, I, have, I only have one superpower. I, I'm a good dot connector. And, and that's actually something I just did as you were talking. But I can't tell you what it is yet without asking you my final question because there's, that's another dot. <laughs> you don't want to lead the witness. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'm going to ask you my, my typically last question, but then I, I'm going to circle back. So bear with me. If you weren't doing what you're doing today and money and talent were no object, what would you be doing? I think there are probably two things that I might be doing. One, I, I really have a passion for interior design because I'm super visual and I like, to, I, I like to put puzzles together and that's an intersection of those two things. So I do that for myself, I do that for friends and family and that kind of fuels me creatively. So I think that might've been one path, but the other one, I had two really important English teachers when I was in high school and both of them, different years, both of them said that they could totally see me as a journalist on the Today Show or something like that, where, you know, it would be, it would be connecting the dots to your point of, you know, dot connector, putting stories together because I'm a storyteller and being able to express it. And so I think probably those two things would have been, you know, one one or the other would have probably been my path. Okay. Well, I'm so glad I didn't connect my dots before I asked you that question because I would have totally been leading the witness. But do you know 
that when I asked this question, it didn't take very long until I figured, saw a trend with how everyone was answering. Hmm. The more often than not, an answer from a guest is they want to be a teacher. <sighs> and when you said teaching, that is definitely a characteristic of yeah. marketing. And that's where the dots came together. And that's why at Brand Week, we are launching master classes with CMOs as teachers. Because what better place for them to be than being teachers? I, I love that. And actually, you know, funny that you say that because I say I'm a, a, a teacher and that I pretty much am teaching every day. I actually think about that as not an instead, but I always think about that as my next chapter because yes. I already think about like, what's my, what's my future chapter and, and what does that look like? And, and teaching, writing, kind of back to the teaching and journalism, I think about a lot as, as a next chapter. Oh, right. That's really, that's really, really interesting. Doesn't surprise me, but I hadn't thought about that before. Yeah. <laughs> well, now that I have shared that with you, you know, my next question is going to be to come be a teacher, but I will uh, let you think about it before you answer on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that my answer would be yes, considering all, all of what I just said. I would love to. Excellent. Okay. Well, then we have a lot more to talk about. But um, for now, I just want to say thank you so much for joining me today. It was a, such a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you. It was great. It was it was really fun to you know fun to go down memory lane and kind of tap into to stories and and lessons learned. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. Have a good day. You too. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.